The first country which we will cover in the new economic powers course is China. China is the most successful emerging economy today, and is poised to become one of the largest economies in the world. China has been phenomenally successful in transitioning from a centrally planned economy into a more market-oriented one. China's strong push for economic growth. Since reforms began in 1979, has catapulted it into a trillion-dollar economy, that is also the world's third-largest exporter and importer in the span of just a couple of decades. China's success, however, is not inconsistent with a significant degree of structural problems in its economy. Its transition from a centrally planned economy to a more marketized one has not been entirely smooth, and it currently faces a number of challenges to its sustained growth. Although there are a number of significant issues raised by its accession to the World Trade Organization, or WTO. China's need for further economic reforms is a consequence of its particular path, known as a gradualist or incrementalist approach to reform. In this brief introduction to China, I will address three aspects. First, I will identify the structural issues in the Chinese economy that stem. From its gradualist approach to marketization. Second, I will turn to an assessment of China's economic growth model in order to evaluate its prospects for growth. Finally, I will discuss the implications of opening, as WTO accession will bring both benefits and challenges. To China, the most prominent of these have to do not only with trade, but macroeconomic stabilization. I conclude with a look at China's reform agenda and economic prospects. A gradualist path to reform is increasingly favored by economists who have witnessed the failure. Of shock therapy in the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, and the disappointing results of rapid liberalization among developing countries in recent years. The approach of gradualism, however, is in essence an easy-to-hard reform sequence. The opposite approach. Is big bang, whereby economic efficiency is maximized, while administrative or political costs are considered secondary. Gradualism follows the opposite sequence, so that the most difficult economic issues remain. 
It is therefore not surprising that China is facing its hardest challenges today. These include rising urban unemployment, the inefficient state sector, large-scale rural-urban migration, in reaction to a growing rural-urban income gap. Significant amounts of non-performing loans held by state-owned banks, to name a few. The core problems in the Chinese economy stem from the close relationship among the three main state players from the command period that continues through the reform period. These are state-owned enterprises. The government and state-owned commercial banks. These problems are also a result of China's gradualist transition path. By gradually introducing market forces into the economy, the most difficult problems in the reform path remain unresolved. As mentioned earlier, China's remaining difficulties are highlighted by its accession to the WTO, which requires significant liberalization in trade and financial services. Although there have been many benefits from WTO membership, accession has also contributed to the reduction in competitiveness. In state-owned enterprises, and exposed the lack of market forces governing lending in state-owned commercial banks. The decline of state-owned enterprises has further drained the government of its traditional source of revenue. And instead, increased the amount of subsidies, including loans from state-owned banks. The transfers from state-owned banks to loss-making state-owned enterprises, and the lack of credit assessment in lending, have generated significant amounts of non-performing loans. The culmination. Of policy loans, soft budget constraints for state-owned enterprises, and the decentralization of local state-owned commercial banks have resulted in a significant stock of non-performing loans estimated at two trillion renminbi. As a proportion of GDP. Non-performing loans are in the region of 20% of total national income. Other estimates put the figure higher. The root of the non-performing loans problem, however, cannot be resolved without addressing the inefficiency of state-owned enterprises, which has accordingly generated. Substantial urban unemployment for the first 
time in the reform period. This set of problems constitutes one of the most significant challenges confronting China. In terms of economic stability, it may be the most serious issue. The nature of China's economic growth also warrants consideration. China has experienced largely what is termed extensive growth, that is, growth based on increases in inputs, such as capital and labor. However, this is not sustainable for a number of reasons. The sustainable form of long-term growth is intensive growth, or growth based on improvements in productivity associated with technological advancements. Like most developing countries, China does not invest greatly in R&D, though that is changing. China has begun to direct its resources into technology sectors, as evidenced by the recent agreement with India, easing exchange of knowledge with Indian companies in areas such as the Shanghai Pudong Science Park. Opening to the global economy should help that process of what is termed catching up in the growth literature. However, the imposition of WTO-related measures raises further issues on that front. Turning now to examine the main drivers of China's economic performance, I begin with domestic aggregate consumption. Since the reforms in urban areas began in 1984, domestic demand has risen quickly. Retail sales have been growing rapidly on account of rising incomes. Much of the increase in domestic consumption has taken place in urban areas, as real wages have risen. In the urban labor market, even while employment in the state-owned sector has been characterized by layoffs, salary rises for civil servants and government sector retirees also fueled consumption. Other engines for this increase in domestic demand are the increased availability. Of consumer credit for durable goods, such as home mortgages and automobiles, although incomes have also risen in rural areas, this is largely an urban phenomenon. The other major areas comprise of government spending, investment, and the external sector. Aggregate demand in China has also been fueled by fiscal stimulus packages and strong inward foreign direct investment. Real estate investment in western provinces 
has increased, and industries selected by the government for expansion received injections of budgetary and quasi-fiscal funds. In coastal regions, private industries have also expanded rapidly, with credit liberalization measures implemented recently. Exports have also been growing quickly since the open door policy was instituted in the mid 1980s. As a proportion of GDP, exports have doubled from 15% in 1990 to 30% a decade later. Along with continued public expenditure and investment, the external sector will increasingly drive China's growth as its economy becomes more integrated into the global economy. However, fiscal spending will need to be supplanted by aggregate consumption, and investment. Should be increasingly drawn from private sources to sustain domestic demand. Exchange rate policy is another area under scrutiny, as is China's balance of payments position with increased trade liberalization. Finally. China had pursued economic development with limited external orientation. Attracting FDI, though, has been part of its growth strategy for the past couple of decades, and increasingly contributes to growth. However, severe controls on the external sector have limited. China's exposure to macroeconomic shocks. For instance, China weathered the Asian financial crises relatively well, but was not immune to the associated deflationary stance. Accession to the WTO brings with it significant pressures. For increased liberalization and compliance with international economic law, China's incomplete legal system will require extensive reforms to meet the demands of the international economic regime. China's reaction to the pressures of liberalization will also determine. The viability of its growth. These issues of legal and economic reform must further be considered, not in isolation, but in tandem. China's reforms are largely on track in beginning to address its domestic structural imbalances. And the demands of the global market. The progress of the latter in areas such as reform 
of the banking and financial services sectors will depend crucially on the former. China has begun to tackle its non-performing loans problem and establish regulatory authorities to manage its WTO-mandated financial liberalization. The anticipated move toward some privatization in both state-owned enterprises and banks reflects the intensity of the reform agenda. However, China must not neglect the institutional foundations of the market economy, such as transparent laws, clearly enforced regulations, and well-defined property rights. Finally, the success of China in achieving its ambitious reform agenda will also depend critically on its progress in balancing growth and staving off unrest, reducing the institutional barriers to labor mobility, meeting the social insecurities of its populace, and addressing resource and health issues within the entirety of its economy. The growing inequality in income and wages between the urban and rural sectors, the coastal and interior provinces, and between urban residents and migrants is a potentially destabilizing factor. And stability is the final key in assessing China's growth prospects.